630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, good evening. 706. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Andrew Gross, wonderful addition to the show's guest list in the first hour tonight. Uh, we covered a wide range of topics. I, I, you know, I, I did enjoy listening to him talking about Bantam football, and I'm sure there are a lot of you out there who have coached your son and or daughter on their minor sports team, and I wonder what you, th- you thought of that approach. wonder what you thought of that approach. Only... Uh, having grade nines, or sorry, having an equal number of grade nines, grade sevens, and grade eights on his you know, on his bantam football team, twelve of each. No matter what, parents hated it, got made fun of. They were bad, and then all of a sudden they became a powerhouse in their league. Fascinating stuff. Doug is called in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hello, Doug. Hey, how are you doing, Reed? I'm doing great. What's going on? Oh, I just got home from an auction. Okay, how did it go? Well, they were selling uh, uh, brains, radio announcer brains. They were selling radio announcer brains, so they must have been really cheap. Well, no, not really. Some of them went for five cents an ounce. Some went for ten cents an ounce. Your program director brains went for twenty cents an ounce. George LaRock's brains went for $100 an ounce. But, uh, yeah. Okay. The most most expensive ones was the uh, sports announcer brains. How come? They went for $200,000 an ounce. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why was that? Well, you think about how many it takes to get an ounce of brains. All right. It's a joke, buddy. I know. I'm waiting for the punchline. That was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a good night. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate you calling. 780-496-0063. Hey, we had a stand-up comedy on the show. Hey, callers can uh, try their hand at uh, a joke as well. Great to hear from Doug. All right. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to start in about uh, half an hour. By the way, you can always follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. Uh, speaking of George Larac, whose uh, brains are pretty expensive, uh, he was on with Bob earlier today. Had, uh, you know, yesterday on the show, we had Pete Weber on. You remember that, uh, Bernard. Pete Weber is the play-by-play voice for the Nashville Predators. Yes, I did. And uh, he was talking about P.K. Subban going to Nashville. And and uh, performing some country music. Yeah. 
P.K. Subban doing a little Johnny Cash. So George Larac was uh, commenting on Subban's country music. You know, you know, I was so surprised because usually black people were allergic to country, and uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, I've always, uh, I was always teasing, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, my friends that uh, when I came to Edmonton, uh, this is something that I was never going to get used to. Uh, Ryan Smith putting country songs before games, and right. I was like, uh, how can you get revved up to a game when you're listening to a to a cow that is getting sick? And somebody talking about his girlfriend that left him and playing a slow rhythm and then I have to go kill somebody. You know, I, I never quite understood that. So sometimes I would put uh, uh, I would put some techno music in the dress room and then the guys, they would just throw the CD in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was George Lorac. Uh, had some uh, trouble with the country music in the Oilers dressing room. So we, we, we had Lorac saying he calls uh, the Taylor Hall trade one of the worst trades in the history of hockey. Here's his opinion on the Oilers signing of Milan Lucic. Signing Lucic was key. And actually, I love Maroon. Bob, I, I signed with you last year. Yeah. I can't believe that Docs let him go. And, and Maroon is kind of another Lucic. Like, the Oilers, they didn't have any physicality. They had, like... like Matt Hendricks, George. Matt Hendricks was their toughest guy at the start yeah. of last year. And, and, and you know, Bob, there's so many games that I've watched that you can hear a fly like in the stands because there was no energy, no emotion, no hitting. I was like, everybody would be playing with the puck at the end of their sticks. Now there's physicalities. There's like retribution. Now there's guys that could defend other guys and they could punish guys with body checking. You know, in this new building, you know how awesome that is? That signing of Luchik is it was an unbelievable bonus. All right. So uh, George Larac with differing opinions of uh, the Oilers' significant move this summer. He clearly hates the Taylor Hall trade, and he clearly uh, loves the Milan-Lucic signing. I just find this offseason and this upcoming season so interesting for the Oilers. And I know you may be saying, well, we don't want it to be interesting. We want it to be successful. Fair enough. And I, but I, I, you know, I, I've been talking to, to all of you over the last few weeks, and uh, there was a lot of anger about the Taylor Hall trade. There was, I think, mostly positive energy about the Lucci signing. Certainly some concern about the length of the contract, but I don't think you can worry about that too much. I think you need to put some solid players around McDavid. Here's a, here's a question for you. Just as wherever you are now, in your bathtub, in your vehicle, at work, just ask yourself how happy you feel about the Oilers roster giving the uh, given the significant moves. Let's say uh, the th- the three significant moves: drafting Yessi Puliarve, trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, and signing Milan Lucic. And and just ask yourself how happy on a scale of one to ten you feel about those moves. Just in your head, or say to your buddy or, or your girlfriend next to you, how how happy you are on a scale of one to ten about those moves. Give it a number. Now ask yourself how happy you would be about the Oilers roster if there were two significant moves and they were drafting Jesse Pelliarve and signing Milan Lucic. And Hall was still on the team, but the defense is the same at the end of the year. I'm curious to know how you would feel. Because you'd have Lucic and Hall, though you may have further cap issues down the road, 
but the defense would be exactly the same. Though you could argue, okay, Clefbaum's going to come back, and Shirelli did say, I don't think we're adding one defenseman. I think we're adding two. So just ask yourself, which of those two scenarios makes you happier as an Oilers fan? Is it Hall and Lucic and Pugliarve? Or is it Larson, Lucic, and Pugliarve? I'm curious to know. Dominic is on the line. Hey, Dominic. Hello, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. Good, good. I, uh, I'm driving and... Uh... I was listening. Well, I listen to your program just about every day, but today I had to phone because uh, I was really impressed with uh, Andrew Gross what he had to say about mixing the different age group, the set, uh, grade seven, eight, nine in a football team. Uh, I've been an Eskimo fan for 18 years of my life, and I had to give them up because I moved out of town. I live in Camrose right now, but. Um, when I was uh, a fan of the Eskimo, which I still am, a diehard fan, I um, in the in the seventies. Well, I started uh, season tickets in 1970 to 88, mm-hmm. and in the seventies, the when Norm Kimball was a general manager, he would change players every year by adding someone new, like one or two or three different players each year. So we had a good mix of leaders and young kids to to be broken in by the leaders, so they would take over their spots when they retired. And that's why the Eskimos had won five great cups in a row. So what Andrew was saying by having the young kids coming in and learning the system, so when the grade niners moved on, the grade seven, they would move up a grade, and then the grade eight would be the grade nine leaders kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting the way he put it together by saying that they had a mixture of grade sevens, eights, and nines. And they kept on rotating, and that's what made them successful just like the Eskimo did in the 70s. So I think uh, going to the Oilers now, they need to do exactly the same thing. Yes, we got McDavid. He can't do it alone. We know that. Wayne Gretzky was a perfect example. He was the nucleus of the team when he was here, but he had a team surrounded with other good players. And what Sherrill is doing right now, he's doing exactly the same thing with McDavid by bringing in all these different guys. And you know what? I'd probably give it about two, maybe three years. They'll be contending for the Stanley Cup. Well, I, I, I hope so. And like I said about Lucic, it, it changes the makeup of the team. And I do think, look, we know that Shirelli and Lucic had a relationship. That's huge. But I also think Shirelli is kind of banking on the fact that Lucic has never really played on a bad team. I mean, he's played, right. he's by the you know he, he missed the playoffs in Boston. I know when he came in in Boston, they weren't as good, but they were still making the playoffs. And that's another thing when Maroon came in, right? Maroon Maroon said, you "You remember that clip? Because I did almost a whole show on it. He said, we allowed an early goal and we disappeared for 40 minutes until we woke up. You need guys where we say, look, we play the same way all the time. We don't get down. We initiate. You know, we realize bad things are going to happen, but we keep plowing forward as opposed to here we go again syndrome. Because that has set in with the, the, the here we go again thing has plagued the Oilers. And it's human nature. It's human nature, but you need to bring guys in who say that's not acceptable. 
exactly. And Maroon is one of them, and Lucic will be the other one. They're going to be the leaders of that team. McDavid is going to be the star. I know. We know that. We all know that. Sooner or later, he's going to be the the big gun on the team. But I think Maroon is going to be like the uh, Mark Messier type of guy, and so is Lucic. So if one of the guys on the team isn't producing the way they should be, I think uh, Lucic or Maroon is going to be the one that's going to give him a kick in the butt and get him, you know, to get in gear, like let's play as a team. And I think we need leaders like that. And if we can get, like you said, the right shot defenseman that we need desperately, and hopefully, you know, the defenseman that we have now, hopefully he, he'll fit in nicely. But give them some time. They're still young. Like the team, you know, in the 80s when the Oilers started, they had all those young kids. They made a lot of mistakes. And the Oilers, I think they've done enough mistakes now, but now is time to put it all together. And I have a funny feeling that this year coming up, they're going to surprise a lot of teams. But I'm hoping. I'm really hoping for it. Hope so, Dominic. Thanks a lot for calling. Appreciate that you're listening. 780-496-0063. We also have Colin on the line. Colin, you're on with Reed. What's shaking, man? Hey, Reed. Hey. Uh, first off, love the show. Thank you. Um, just thinking, for those who aren't okay with the Hall trade, I challenge them to ask themselves the question whether they trade Lars- Larson right now for a top-line left winger. For me, it's as simple as that. And if they say no to that answer, then whether they think it or not, they're not okay with the trade. That's an interesting. So, are okay with trade, so, so you're asking people would they trade Larson for back to New Jersey for Taylor Hall? Yeah. <laughs> Some think, people probably I, would call it, but I that's that's an interesting way to look at it. You know what? Another thing people have asked me, Colin, what if the trade was Hall for Lucic and they signed Larson as a free agent? Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I, I guess I don't like the thinking that. You know, and ended up being Taylor Hall for Adam Larson and Lucic. I know I've heard a lot of people say that, but you know, like I said, if you look at it from the other way around, you would, you know, take back that trade. I think a lot of people who weren't okay with it, when you think of it that way, they start kind of rethinking it. So, Colin, can I ask you? Do you mind if I ask you how old you are? Sure, I'm 26. Because I've found, and I'm generalizing here. I have sort of found the younger the fan, the angrier they've been with the Taylor Hall trade. Now that that's a generalization. Um, yeah. Now, did you go through a period of anger, or were you did were you kind of like, okay, we got it, we we got to change something right off the bat? Yeah, you know, when I first heard it, I was sitting in my car. I just ordered some Starbucks, and I heard <laughs> Bob. Uh, the phone call came in, and he wouldn't confirm it right away. But as soon as I heard it, I almost spit out my coffee, and it was. Uh, <laughs> Like, definitely, the more I thought about it, the more okay I was with it. And, um, yeah, like I said, that that, that thought process, if I would take it back, that's kind of how I started getting over it. And uh, it seems a little bit better in my head after I thought of it that way. Yeah, well, they lucked out to get Pugliarve. Uh I mean, and hopefully they don't put he he doesn't have to carry too much of the load. I mean, I'm fine if he gets 30, 35 points, quite frankly. If he gets to 40, that's a bonus. But, again... Yeah. Which roster would you prefer, Pogliarve, Lucic, and Hall, or Pogliarve, Lucic, and Larson? I mean, if they yeah, didn't have no. Larson, you, you, people would be complaining that he didn't do anything about the defense. He can't exactly. win. Can't win. But my, my only concern at this point is it's the, if Larson gets injured now. You know, I, I don't like Fane on the top line. and oh. I know David's going to play a better right side, but then he got that lefty-righty thing, and it's never a good situation. So it's still there's a, still that big if. But it's still a pretty thin organization, Colin. That's the thing, yeah. and that's what that's why I think Shirelli 
drafted all nine guys this year. Yeah. All, all nine so, picks, I should say. Sorry, Reed. I know I've been on for a bit here, but one quick question for you, too. Um, I can't remember which team it was that pulled uh, Pesek out of Buffalo. But what did you think? What do you think the Oilers' chances of making that trade themselves? He went something to, like a, a Yakupov for Pesek, or uh, he went to Florida, did he not? I think yeah. I don't remember the team it was. Florida sounds right, but I unf- that would have been a great pickup. Yes, I agree. And unfortunately, I I just think they can't give Yakupov away right now. I hate to say that, and people are going to get yeah. mad at me. I just don't think they can give Yakupov away. Uh, but I think uh, Florida, it was only a pick they gave up for Pesic, wasn't it? Kulikov. Kulikov. Oh, Kulikov. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's not bad. So, yeah, uh, I mean, right. I don't know. What have you traded? What have you traded uh, Davidson for Pesic? I don't know. I wouldn't have done that. Probably no, not. I, Davidson's a bona fide second pairing, in my opinion, now. If he, if really he keeps improving, I, I don't. Here's the thing with Davidson I don't know what his ceiling is anymore after last year. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's hit it. Maybe he's going to keep going higher. But my worry is he's like an Antel Lander, really have that one really good season, everyone's high on him, and then he'll have a you know fallback season like we saw with Lander two years ago. But yeah, that was yeah, it was tough for Lander this year. I, that really surprised me how invisible he became. Colin, yeah. thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks, Reed. All right, uh, Chris from Phoenix is up next. I think we're going to have Dennis chime in as well, but we could take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 726, we got news, traffic, and weather coming up. Uh, we're going to bring in Andy Petrillo a little bit later on tonight. She's going to be hosting some CBC Olympic programming as we'll talk about the uh, latest about the Russian fiasco. The whole Russian team won't be kicked out of the Olympics. But the uh, track and field team will have to remain on the sidelines. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're going to go to Dennis here. Dennis, thanks for calling in. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm just wondering how many games did we win with McDavis? What was his win loss last year? Oh man, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, was the, it like close to fifty fifty? No, or? the winning percentage was about the same with and without him. Oddly enough, it was. Well, that yeah, that is odd. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, because you look at the Eskimos, right? And what they have this year is they got confidence that they can do it. You know what I mean? And oh, when big you watch time. the Oilers play in the third period, it's, it's like they're scared to go into the third period because they're scared to lose. Even if they got the, the, the if, even if they're ahead, they're, they're worried about it. You know what I mean? They're scared to lose instead of ready to win. I'm just adding up the record here. So McDavid got hurt the first game of November, right? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to count that one or not? He played two-thirds of the game. Did he score? <laughs> I don't think he scored. Let's count it. So they were 5-8, sure. and eight, and then he came back at the beginning of February, right? Yeah. See, this is where I need a memory like Stoffer because I, I knew yeah, this, no and then i got to go back and look it up. Yeah. All right, so they were 25 uh, 11- they were 17-25-3 with McDavid. Right. Which means they were uh, 14... What was the... They were 14-19-5 without him. So I guess they would have... Yeah, well, it's, about, it's about basically the same. Basically the same. So. Yeah. 
And even with, like, I remember Jack Michaels broke it down, and even with and without Nugent Hopkins, they were about the same. They just kind of had that that type of a season. So basically, we got a, you know, uh, you look at LaRock when he said it might have been the worst trade that we've made, but in the end, it might be good for Edmonton to have made that trade anyway, because if we can get a good defenseman that can push the puck up quickly to the forwards, um, you know, maybe we can get those odds to change. Right. You yeah. Know, so and then maybe we can get these guys some confidence. If they get a little bit of confidence in knowing that when they come to the third period that they can actually score and actually win a game, then, you know, their demeanor is going to change right away. Well, you know what could change the tone of the whole season, Dennis? And I hope I'm not overstating. I'm, I hope I'm not putting too much hype around two games of the season. Can you imagine how much better this city is going to feel if they sweep that season opening home and home against Calgary? Those two games, how much is that going to affect the mood of the fan base? Well, sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was like Eskimo's first game. Right. You know, right? I mean, if, if uh, you know, if it wasn't that close, and you know, it could have been totally different if that game was different, right? Yeah. They could have been a different team. They might have started losing even more. You know, Did- instead, and, instead of saying, oh, hey, you know what? We had a chance to win. We could win. Yeah. Dennis, you know, thanks for calling, buddy. I got a break for yeah, the news, okay? Okay. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six C. Chris from Phoenix. I'm going to leave you till after the news, so you get more time because I know you you always have a lot to say. Uh, we're back after the news, and I'll get to some of the text to six thirty six thirty as well. This is Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty. Chad. Okay, so I just double checked the math there. So, with McDavid, the Oilers were 17-25-3. That includes the game he was injured in. Without him, they were 14-18-5. With McDavid, they had a points percentage of 411. Without him, they had a points percentage of 434. Now, there was a, a portion of the season when both McDavid and Nugent Hopkins were hurt. Uh, I mean, obviously... The biggest discrepancy in points percentage would be with Clefbaum because they were almost 500 with Clefbaum and then well under 500 without Clefbaum. If you listen to Bob's show, you know he makes that point uh, routinely. Anyway, look, if McDavid's healthier, if he's healthy the whole season, they're probably better. Do they make the playoffs? No, I don't think they would have. They might maybe have three or four more more wins. Um, but it's an interesting debate. Um, Michael says, Everly, Yakupov, Nugent Hopkins, Clefbaum, lots of injuries, so I wouldn't put too much stock in it, but the Oilers did earn more points without McDavid. It's a head-scratcher. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those what-ifs that I suppose is fun to debate. The Oilers started the season 4-8. and eight. Uh, They started 0-4. They got up to 3-4. To, uh, to and four. Then they were 3-7. and seven. So... I mean, you could argue, well, McDavid hadn't totally figured it out yet. Maybe if he played, you know what, you go back and forth. Bottom line is their roster wasn't good enough, with or without McDavid. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The Big L says, uh, good last call with Dennis. The Oilers have to put their brand on the new arena, and sweeping that first series would certainly help to do that. Yeah, they're, well, their first three games of the season versus Calgary at Calgary, then versus Buffalo. So they're playing... You know, three other teams that were, or three games against two other teams who were low down in the standings like the Oilers were last year. Not as low, but but they weren't good teams. Chris from Phoenix is on the line. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, hey, Reed. Uh, 
funny. I, I'm driving around here in, in uh, hot Phoenix and uh, looking at all the uh, the billboards for all the signs for the elections coming up. And there's this person whose uh, last name is Schmuck. <laughs> I don't know if I'd really want to be a politician if my last name was Schmuck. I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't know if anybody would vote for me. But whatever. I just, I just, I, I just thought that was funny, you know, because you had the the one guy that called in and was talking about brains per gram or whatever. I don't even know. I, I, I got to be honest with you, Chris. I did not get that joke. So either I, I got either. a bad sense I, of humor, or, or I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think it was just far too. I don't know. Anyway, but um, here, uh, here's I got a couple points. Uh, what will make uh, the Oilers? Uh, what What will make me excited is that opening game against uh, actually the opening shift. Against the Flames, <laughs> okay. if I see Mc, if I see Mc, uh, McDavid, if I see Lucic uh, just absolutely destroy one of the uh, the Flames forwards, I will love that. I will uh, I will just go crazy. And here here's the thing with the Oilers is is last year and and the years past, regardless of if we had Hall or not, the team always came to came out lethargic every single game. It seemed like it. So I think I think this upcoming season, I think it's going to be a little different because we actually have some players that uh, might actually, you know, step their game up right off the off the off the hopper. And uh, I like I've always told you, Reed, I cheer for the crest of the front, not the name on the back. I learned that a long time ago when uh, when Messier got traded, when Gretzky got traded, when Doug Wade got traded. I learned not to fall in love with anybody. And I look at it this way: uh, even if we did, it, it was a it was it was a bad trade haul for Larson. But I look at it this way: who do you rather have on this team as an Oilers fan? Do you rather have McDavid? Or do you rather have Hall? Well, obviously and I McDavid. I think uh, 100%, 100% of the, the fans would would, uh, would vote for McDavid. And if we kept Hall, what if we didn't? What if, what if we still had a, a similar season that we did last year and the year the year next after that? You know, there's, there would have been a point where McDavid, there would have been more of a threat of McDavid wanting to leave this team than than anything. And to me, that's what I worried about as an Oilers fan. And then I, I got a little nostalgic, so I went uh, and looked up. Uh, for some reason, there was this, this stupid Petrovic talk that's been going on, which I wouldn't mind having Petrovic on this team. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got confused, and I thought that Petrovic was in the uh, in the Sam Gagne draft year when we drafted Gagne, Riley Nash, and, and Alex Quant. And uh, it, it was funny because I looked back at that draft, and I, I saw somebody that uh, we kind of missed out on, uh, one pick or two picks before Alex Quant, and that was uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Right, and I guess there's some talk that they might be looking at uh, taking less for Kevin. And to be honest, as an Oilers fan, I know this might sound stupid, but we desperately this year, this season, we desperately need to make some progress. And I would not mind if if Shirelli turned around and and parlayed some assets, uh, even even for one season of Kevin Shattenkirk, because that one season of Kevin Shattenkirk, you never know. You never know what what'll happen. You never know. He might come come here and play for that one season and, and what if he puts up like a record amount of points in his career you, you just never know uh seasons you know they play out for a reason and uh as for that that's about it i'm excited to uh to to see oilers hockey in the new building uh, hopefully i'll make it up there one of these uh, one of these games and uh i want to see luchitz once again just destroy a couple of those flames <laughs> forwards Preferably that Goudreau kid. And maybe, <laughs> you got to catch you know, him and, first. And just anybody. I, I just don't like the Flames, and I just want to see one of their forwards just get absolutely destroyed by Luchich because, you know what, they don't have anybody on that team that's going to step up and fight him, so we're not scared anymore, right? <laughs>
that's all I have, Reed, and a uh, great show, and uh, miss talking to you, and uh, let's go Oilers. Chris, call anytime you like. That is Chris from Phoenix. I think he hates the Flames. That's that's what I took away from that phone call. I mean, here's okay. Here's the my absurd July nineteenth question. Is it a no brainer that Lucic is out for the first shift of the season? <laughs> Tries to set a little bit of a tone. I would think so. Uh, Nico says. What was the win-loss record with and without Clefbaum? Compare that to McDavid's. Not saying Clefbaum is better, but shows the importance of a good defenseman. With Clefbaum, the Oilers were 13-15-2. Without Clefbaum, they were 18-28-6. So, there it is. This texture says, uh, Reed, sure the Oilers have lost Hall's point getting, but if Larson can save slash ha- uh, prevent a handful of quality shots on goal and give Talbot a chance, then the uh, goal per game drops by one. Then the Larson deal is good for the Oilers and uh, will not McDavid in a full season outpoint Hall. Well, I would think McDavid's going to outpoint most players in the NHL over the full season. I mean, McDavid, I, I mean, look, if McDavid plays the full season, he's in the top 10 in the NHL in scoring. No doubt about that. MD says, hang on. Well, oh, man, I lost the text. Sorry, guys. I'll read this one. Uh, this texture. Oh, there's MDs. One thing I've learned about watching Davidson's entire life and career, never underestimate him. I'm not even convinced his ceiling is on the second pair. Seriously. That is from MD. This texture says, I'm 51 years old, and I would have been right there to help Hall pack his bags. He plays off the rush on a 200-foot game, but he is useless in every other aspect of the game. All right, that is a uh, text coming in tonight as well about somebody uh, happy to see Taylor Hall go. He certainly had his detractors. And, and I, you know, I, I, look, I think Taylor Hall's a very good hockey player. Anything I have to say about Taylor Hall does not change. I, I think he's going to be a very good hockey player with the New Jersey Devils. Is, was, that a, was there a huge risk to that trade? 100%. I mean, let's face it, if the Oilers are no better or barely better in two years, you know, and Adam Larson is a decent defenseman but not really good, is Shirelli going to be, uh, is he going to finish his contract as GM? That, that's the risk he's taking here. Now, that's also pro sports, right? Brian's on the line. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How are you doing tonight? Doing quite well. Uh, so, you know, where, where my, uh, first of all, as far as the Hall and Larson trade goes, uh, you, know, you, you and I have talked about this before. I, I'm, I wasn't 100% behind it, but I'm not 100% against it either. Um, you know, I think Larson is definitely going to add uh, something that's been missing on the blue line. And, you know, we, we had to give up something. That was a no-brainer. Everybody knew that. But where, where my concern is, is the fact of, you know, and you brought it up with the last caller, the team staying healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have been in 
I could be wrong, but I'm sure the top three, if not at least the top five, in the last half dozen, dozen years. Well, I know last year, yeah, there's a website, Man Games Lost, that unofficially tracks it. I think they and the Oilers in New Jersey were the two most injured teams last year. Oddly enough, the two teams that make that trade. And and I think out of the last uh, three or four years, I think two of those years, they've had the most man games lost. And, you know, that that's where where my concern is, you know, I can, I can understand a team having having bad luck and having injuries, you know, maybe one or two years in a row. But we're not talking about one or two years in a row. Right. This is a constant thing. And, you know, uh, you know, again, we went through we went through coaches, we went through GMs. Uh, we're starting to go through players in that now. I mean, uh, you know, where does it? I guess where my question would pose is where where do the trainers and the doctors fit in in all this too? I mean, they've got to hold some responsibility of keeping these players healthy as well. Well, I, I mean, I think the train. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think a lot of times the trainers and the doctors are dealing with things after the fact. I mean, then you get into strength coaches, then you get into summer conditioning. There's a there's but a lot going all- on there. But this team has been traditionally injured. Now, is that because of the makeup of the roster? Right? Have they had some bad luck? Sure, certainly. But you're right. It 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 keeps happening. Is is it simply because they're they're not big enough that they've been pushed around too much? Is that the simple answer? Well, I'm sure that 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 has something to do with it. But you know, look how many times players have come back from injuries. Uh, Hall was one. Uh, Nugent Hopkins was another. I believe it happened to Everly as well. Um, where and those are just to name a few. Where they've been injured, they've come back, and two three games later, they're on the injured list again. Well, yeah, Hall got hurt twice the previous season. Uh, did Everly get hurt twice in a year? He missed the start of this year. I'm trying to remember now. Nugent Hopkins obviously has had injury issues with very various parts of the body. I don't know, Brian. That's I mean, didn't they? Did they? They fired some trainers a few years ago. I think before I was doing this show. I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully Shirelli is looking into that. And we, we all remember Bob Nicholson and his audit from a couple of years ago, right? Hopefully yeah. that looked at every level of the organization. And there there is a lot there there is a lot of there are a lot of people employed by a hockey team. I, a, I will say this much though. Uh this coming season, I'm probably more excited about this coming season and watching the Oilers than I have been in the last Ten years. Why? Uh, the, the Lucic is definitely one of them. Okay. But but because we've got some more size. I mean, we've got Lucic. We've got um, uh, um, um, can't remember his name now. Maroon and Cassian. Thank you, Maroon and and Kazik and uh, I mean I mean Larson's not exactly a small guy and um, the um, the the first round draft pick that we got he's not small if he comes up i'm hoping they send him to the minors though that they don't bring him up right away i think we've done that with too many players we've rushed them into the situation too fast give him give him a good 20 25 games in the ahl you know if he if he scores 
you know, 25, 30 points in that time, great. You've earned the you you've earned that that chance to come up to the big leagues now. Mm-hmm. Well, but, and then maybe there's somebody who's going to be surprising in camp. They could bring in somebody on a PTO. They could still sign sign or trade somebody else. Though I don't know the magnitude of it. Certainly, Drake Kajula is a player that people. I mean, I think Jim Matheson tweeted out the other day that he thinks Kajula is going to make the team. But I do think that the time of the Oilers getting pushed around is gone. I hope so. I really hope so. And, and, uh, and they and got I, to initiate. I'm really, like, looking, I'm really looking forward to the Battle of Alberta coming back. I miss those days. Brian, thanks for calling, buddy. Take care. That's Brian, 780-496-0063. Kevin from Stoney says, when you sell your soul to win all the first overall picks, it comes with a price. Kevin from Stoney. Judy is on the line. Hello, Judy. Hi. How are you? Not too bad. I was just going to say I hope that uh, the defense that we get can start to play not just with the force to uh, take out the other team when we have to, but also to have some defense that plays with some intelligence to make sure that the puck stays ahead of the line so we're on side and don't take improper penalties like the whole team because penalties have also killed us in the past. And it takes a whole team to win a game. It takes a whole team to lose a game, I think they took too long to uh, finally work on fixing up our defense. Well, hopefully Larson works out. I, I still think it could be a, a challenged defense. I mean, I know somebody texted in and says they have to add another guy. I mean, they they might add a depth guy, a, an Eric Griba type, and 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 that and that's fine. I, I don't I don't know if they're going to get that power play quarterback this summer. Maybe that's a next year thing. Yeah, and I know people got, are sick of waiting. We also got to find a guy that knows how to be able to play the puck, to be able to play it up to the guys, so that we can keep it going and not wasting time back in our area of the ice. Get it back up front and let's get going and get the pressure off our goalie. Well, for sure. And I, yeah. I think they hope Larson can do that to some extent. Judy, thanks for calling. You have a good day. All right, 780-496-0063. We've got to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chat. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley and the Eskimos back at practice today. You can get more on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. The Eskimos continue this string of home games, six of their first nine at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. They will entertain the Hamilton Tiger Cats Saturday, 3.30 for the pregame show on Ched. The game will start at 5. I just double-checked the uh, man games lost in the NHL for this past season. According to the website, man games lost. Toronto, number one, New Jersey, two, Montreal, three, Edmonton, four, as the most injured teams in the NHL. The uh, most injured teams in the NHL last season, uh, after that, Buffalo, Arizona, Vancouver, Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Ottawa. So what, one of those nine, one of those ten made the playoffs, and then they just happened to win the Stanley Cup. Interesting stuff. Jared has called in. Jared, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hi, Reed. Uh, I am just wondering, uh, like, uh, hasn't been talked about lately if... Uh, if uh, well, I guess it kind of hinges on if Yakupov is sticks around or not. But uh, we'll be short of right wing, so does Drysaitel go there or Nuge? And uh, do we get a, a number three C? Do we go hunt one down? 
a little more of a physical guy or I, I kind of, and then I just, uh, just real quick, uh, McClellan liked that with Pavelski and Thornton and, you know, it's kind of his style. Yep. So I wonder about that. And I just got one other quick question, but I hope you answer them both after I hang up is, uh, yep. how many of them grade sevens on them, on those, uh, <laughs> high school teams didn't, even live to play in grade eight would be my next question, Reed. Thanks so, for the time. So, okay. Love the show, buddy. Thanks, Jerry. Well, some, some, somebody asked Andrew that, and he he he, he said they they all they most of them moved up. I I, I, I don't think I, I Andrew, even though Andrew divided the roster equally, I don't think they all got equal playing time. And we were talking about that a little bit during the commercial. He always had a quarterback in each grade, but the grade seven quarterback hardly hardly played. But he was there to develop and learn. The right wing situation. So right now there's Everly, Yakupov, Pugliarvi, Cassian, and Packer Rinnan. I would love to see um, Dreisaitl play a little bit on the right wing. I do think Yakupov's going to be on the team to start the season. Um, I don't know where they find a third line center at this point. That, that's, that's the challenge there. Um, in, unless it tur- unless this Drake Kajula kid is, is able to fit in and play, and maybe he can be a, a guy who can be versatile in the lineup. I, I It'd be great to see Dreisaitl on the right wing. I agree. But it, then it creates another hole in the lineup, and this team still is not deep enough. It is still a not deep enough team to have a flexible enough roster or to survive a few injuries, and that's another concern going into this season. I mean, and look at the defense again. It's better with Larson. Well, what if there's a Clefbaum or Larson injury again? Or a, or a Davidson injury again? And I feel like I've been hard on Jordan Osterley, um, but I'm not, personally, I'm not ready to see him in the NHL full-time. Russ is on the line. Hey, Russ. Hey. Okay, um, I heard you really talking about the, the great nine for Bantam football, and unfortunately I couldn't call in at the time, but... Uh, I used to play football. I started back in the Adam year, so when I was, believe it or not, uh, 11. And I remember starting, uh, I think I was oh, 13 when I first played Bantam. This is before they moved down to no, no higher than grade nine. Okay. And the thing is, is we had players on our team that were two, three years, I think at one time, but most apart, right? Okay. But they were all pretty much, except for the few odd players, at the same size. But the key to having the players in grade seven or eight is that if you only have grade nines, how are they ever going to get better at that level? It's just it's like play if you had hockey and you only had fourteen-year-olds playing at that level, and then they move up immediately. They don't get any experience at at that age where they grow and and learn the sport instead of getting immediately pushed into something better like or, or higher like a junior high school or senior football and it's 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 getting, it's going way too fast or too far up the scale too fast if they do that and it, our minor football as is enough don't play enough football games in the year mm-hmm. how are these players ever supposed to get any decent experience and learn anything if they have to go from bantam or they can't play bantam and then they only get one year and they got to go to high school so you like, so, Russ, you you like what Andrew did? You like what Andrew did then? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you need to have years. You need to have experience. You can't just go from one to the other, and then all of a sudden you're there and you've only played two or three years. How how are you going to learn anything? Russ, do you coach any minor football right now? I used to. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I've I've been around it since I was uh, 11, and I'm 38 now. So oh, cool. Um, I've I've had plenty of experience uh, seeing it go from from an age where you could play up in your 10 when you're grade 10 all the way to nine, and now it's they're they're making so many changes, and then they've instituted the fair play. You know, where everybody has to play a certain amount of time, or and it's which is great. It's just that it takes away the competitive learning part, which you see in the U.S., which is so prevalent. Well, but football is so much bigger there. And that's why they, they continue to have the best football players. Russ, I, I, I should do something on minor football this summer. I should develop Absolutely. a segment around that for sure. Bring in Absolutely. some coaches. Yeah. Thanks for it's calling. It's huge buddy. here. No problem. Yeah, that's Russ. Sorry, sorry I had to cut Russ a little short. We do have the 8 o'clock news uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little more Eskimos and uh, – Oh, some oh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider stuff coming up, too. All on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.